Hey guys, welcome to the Fennec Podcast. Today we've got a great episode for you. We've got our beloved Sheikh Abdurrahman Zaika on. It was beautiful. He got to touch on his story of um, seeking traditional knowledge. At 12 years old, he left to Saudi Arabia and spent over 10 years studying ilm. It was beautiful. You guys are going to love the episode. There were so many takeaways. We got to touch on what we should do as young people and how we can seek traditional knowledge. I hope you guys do enjoy the episode. Take some notes and enjoy. And um, subhanAllah, you know, the moment he got a job, <laughs> we decided, خلاص, we're going. You know, it was it was only about a week, I think, a week we had to pack up. So he got the job, the the visa was approved, and we had one week to leave. This Australia. is you at twelve years old. Did you want to go? We <coughs> were so excited, jumping from excitement. Yeah. Why really? were you so excited? Basically, to leave you know, with we, uh, we've, I had never travelled outside Victoria in my life. So just the idea of travelling <laughs> was just so exciting, interesting. Yeah. It's exciting. I used to watch, you know, uh, I was into YouTube then. Okay. I used to make my little videos and stuff and uh, <laughs> Quran. I used to love Quran, like listen to different reciters and know their names. Very I used to know every single reciter on the internet's name. Mosque everywhere they go. So I was very passionate about visiting mosques, reciters, things you know, like you know, that's that's uh, these people the ones who I used to look up to when I was younger. Yeah, the ideal any Arabic, here. anything. But these people yeah. like you know, they like they they pray and they recite Quran and the nice yeah. stuff. Now, we weren't growing up listening to music or anything, so you know, the voices and the nice things that we hear was Quran. So, um, yeah, so it was just exciting, you know, it was just the adrenaline that we had was mm. subhanAllah or something else. Yeah. So, um, we um, we packed up and we left. And we didn't know what was going to happen, like, we, we had no plan. Me and my brother, my brother's older than me, but we have we had uh, two younger sisters and one younger brother then. So, we were a family of five kids. Uh, we didn't know what's going on. We just were going to go overseas and live a new life. That's it. Mm. So leave all our friends, all the interests, everything, and just go. And um, subhanAllah, and the first thing we did, we went to Mecca, did Umrah. Mm. My dad planned it like that. So we did Umrah, stayed in Mecca for a week, and then we went to Riyadh where he was going to work. Mm. So, you know, it's like Chinese thing. And um, subhanAllah, um, <laughs> the moment we got, I didn't sleep for around 42 hours. Um, so since we left Australia mm. Until We did Umrah I didn't sleep And I was you know, 12 years old wow. I was just so excited To travel And these things <laughs> And just seeing the You know The, the sea And different countries And mm. the food and airplanes All different and stuff And then Stopped in Malaysia For 8 hours So Had breakfast in the hotel And it was just Crazy yeah, you know yeah. And then Someone picked up from the airport and got us like little ice cream with Arabic on it. You know, it was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I was waiting the whole time. Everyone in the car was sleeping. My brother's sister was snoring and really upset and depressed and crying and emotionally, like, except me. I was just so excited. Was I know, saw the window looking around. And then when we were driving to oh, Mecca, you see the clock, you see the tower, you, see, you can see the Haram from far away, you can see the, the lights and stuff. Mm. So I was getting so excited. And then when we went to the hotel, everyone just crushed. And they were going to do Umrah in the morning before, before Fajr. Yeah. I couldn't sleep. I just couldn't sleep. My whole body was shaking. I was just so excited. And I was the streets in Mecca in that time. Like it was probably 10, 10 p.m., 11 p.m., something. The streets open, like the, the shops and stuff open till very late. Yeah. Till probably like 12, 1 o'clock. So, um, subhanAllah, I could hear the Quran playing in the shops. And because I was into reciters and stuff, I was trying to like all night sitting there trying to think of which reciter was playing downstairs and which... And you know when I go to the shops, which which CDs I'm gonna buy and stuff like that. Mm. So it's family, you know, it was it was an exciting time for us when we were young. And uh, basically that week, I spent most of the time in the haram. So I would, I would go, uh, I would go home, sleep, night in the morning. I would get up pray fajr, and then 
I would just like look for some money, change some money in the you know the street money exchanging shops, and go and like try to buy something a little perfume, even it smelled mm. terrible, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, the cheapest there. thing I could find, and um, try to talk with like really broken broken Arabic. I know a few words, you know, try to talk with the with the people who are selling in the streets and stuff, mm. and they and they had broken Arabic as well. Didn't know that, so broken. Uh, I was being taught broken Arabic by people who had broken Arabic, so <laughs> uh, you know. But I was just enjoying myself, trying to explore and stuff. Go, when go to Haram, see there's like, be a little class there or something. Try to sit with them. Just you know, Take open up to a new world I've never seen before in my life. So, um, Subhanallah. Um, after that, I went to Riyadh, and when we got to Riyadh, so the whole week in Mecca was really excited for everyone. We visited some friends that we had from Saudi Arabia who were living in Australia then, and they just just came to Saudi Arabia. It was really nice. We went to Me- I think we went to Jeddah as well for a few days, so for a day, for a few hours or something. So we visited different masajid and different people and stuff. When we got to Riyadh, um, subhanAllah, in you know, Riyadh, whoever has been to Riyadh, um, it's very, very, very hot and dry. Mm-hmm. And we got there at Luhar time, so it's empty. There's not one person walking in the street anywhere in the city. Mm-hmm. The, the, street open, the, the city opens at night time, after Asa people start to wake up. So, And I don't know if it was a holiday or what, what it was, but when we got there, it was dead quiet. And we, we heard so much about Riyadh before we got there, so me and my brother were excited. By the time we got there, we got really depressed. Like, mm, this is not shock. Mecca, it's different, yeah. it's just yeah. like, no one's doing anything. Yeah, Went to the mosque, there's only a few people there, it was really depressing for us. I remember like, we, uh, we got really depressed when we got to really depressed. Oh, and, wow. and we were put in um, in a housing, um, so the university that my dad worked at uh, gives you housing for one month, and after that you had to find a house to live in, basically. Yeah. So we were put in housing, housing uh, conditions were not, not that great. So it was just a big family crowded into a little house, mm. and we didn't know what to do. We couldn't talk the language, we didn't have any friends. Um, the compound that we were living in was really empty. There wasn't much going on. There was a few like um, Palestinian families and stuff. They didn't. They were just you know their own their own community. They didn't have much yeah. to other people. So the Saudis there were very also closed. Staying with so their we own. We we didn't have any connection with anyone. Mm. So my, my dad was I know he was. Putting a lot of effort trying to take us out every day, you do something like that, but it was just really getting to us. Um, so we used to basically go and visit like, different masajid every day, pretty much masajid, try to visit the imams, the, 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 you know, the reciters, and just like you know, try to try to meet people as much as we can. And subhanAllah, in life, usually when um, when you just try to do something and you have no plan, that's when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens doors for you. Yeah. You know, like when you have no plan, you can't do anything, but you still have the intention and you try. Like us just knocking doors or just going to massage it was really it's not a way to do anything to learn to study Arabic, but it was just us doing what we could. Until Subhanallah, my dad one day he was just talking to someone, and the guy said, "You know what? If you want to teach your sons Arabic, I know someone who is Australian, and he's been here for I don't know five six years or something like that, and he's mashallah, he's into knowledge and studying and." And Arabic and mashallah, you know, he's Australian, but he's he's, he's very mashallah knowledgeable. You should get to know him. My dad calls him, and um, this guy was uh, you might have heard about him, um, Yusuf Hassanin. So he passed away, I think, um, subhanallah, oh, a few maybe a month or two ago. Mm, and uh, his pictures were everywhere on the internet. Everyone's people from 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 America, from Australia, from Saudi, from everywhere you see, mashallah, he was. He was someone who's very dedicated to, to Islam, alhamdulillah. And he was, he's from Adelaide, but his father's Egyptian. So when he was young, he made the decision to go and study. And he spent, uh, I think, 
over 10 years in uh, was he studying Arabic. He did his master's in tafsir. And I think he studied his PhD, then he passed away, subhanAllah. And, and, uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon him. Mm. Anyway, when we got to meet him, he was young and very passionate and he would talk in English and Arabic with us, which was really exciting. And he said to us, you know, if you want to learn Arabic, we can teach you. But you have to be consistent and come every single week. So what me and my brother did was basically we would we would go and follow him around, whether he would be in uni or he would be in um, where he used to live in a, in one of the masajid. He was living in a mas in a mosque, uh, like uh, um, um, taking care of the mosque and stuff like that. And we'd go twice a week. We would study, take a lesson with him, and then he'd give us new words to memorize every single week. We were studying Arabic every day. And then it would be our duty throughout the week to memorize these works, to use them with people around us in mosques or wherever we meet, oh, okay. and basically come back to him. Yeah. And this is all we did for nearly two years. So we didn't wow. go to school or anything. We were just studying Arabic. And we didn't have a plan. Like me and my brother didn't have a plan. I didn't even know if we were going to get Arabic or not. But we were told to do that, and that's all we had to do. And uh, mashallah Yusuf, you know, he opened, he, like, he had opened the door for us to meet a lot of people, to... Um, uh, subhanAllah to meet a lot of um, of da'is and sheikhs and stuff like that and really um, really uh, you know just use the Arabic that we had to mm. um, and alhamdulillah you know in, in two years um, we had Arabic that wasn't that bad so it wasn't perfect yeah. but it wasn't that bad Fusha Arabic uh, after that me and my brother got excited and like we thought we were masters of Arabic, so we used to go and just <laughs> talk to everyone around us and we wouldn't talk English to anyone. Mm. Well, like we don't know English anymore, Khalas. We yeah. just talk Arabic. And we went, we were just like, talking to everyone, talking, 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 Inshallah. talking, talking. And um, subhanAllah, I remember some, some things that I, some things that I said to other people that sounded really silly. I was telling you guys about, about yeah, the, yeah. like silly mistakes I used to make. But, you know, we were just so confident and we felt like, you know, that, you know. Give us an example. Um, so there's an example. Um, I'm sure you probably know Arabic. A little bit, yeah. Sure, so sure. Um, an example, <laughs> example. I told I told Ashraf Ali before is that um, once um, in one of the the biggest masajid overseas, there was um, a room at the back of the mosque, and the imam of this mosque was a very famous reciter, mm-hmm. and he's um, he's he's very famous now. And he actually later on became Imam Haram. So. He used to have a room at the back of the mosque, and he was a trader, so he was very rich. And he used to have, um, you know, like the, the bush they have, so it's, a, it's that the cloak yes, that has the, the, the golden yeah. um, body. Mm. So overseas, people are very passionate about these kind of clothes. They go for thousands of dollars, like for thousands of reals, just for one one piece of of, of every ch- prayer he'll change the one he wears. Mm. He was very rich, mashallah. So at the back of the mosque, he had he had like a whole set of different ones, okay. and I w- you know, I, w- I was into clothes when I was young. I was into clothes like crazy. I would spend hours just ironing <laughs> my clothes before I go out. <laughs> wow. And um, apparently, everyone has a passion in life. Yeah. I was really into clothes. Um, and like, uh, I would go to the tailors, even like in Saudi there's tailors in the streets with thobes and stuff. And I would get them to make the craziest types of thobes. It's really like big, like riding and stuff on it and stuff. And yeah. So, anyway, I saw like a whole set of clothes at the back. So I said, you know, um, who are these for? But I didn't know how to say whose are these. So what I said is, um, so Liman, so for who? Yeah. And then I didn't know how to say it. So for who is this? It doesn't make sense. And I remembered in Arabic that I studied that Ha'ula is plural. Mm-hmm. 
So hada is this and haula is these. But I forgot that haula is only used for people, not for mm. objects. Right. So I said liman haula for who these and then like I said that, that type of of um, clothing is called bisht. Yep. So liman haula al bisht. And that in Arabic sounds very silly because um uh, subhanallah liman is right. Haula is only used for for people. For objects you just say hadihi. So you make it feminine. And bisht is one. But bushut is, is, is the plural. So I should, mm. should have said liman hadihi bushut. But I said liman haula al bisht. And the guy got cracked up laughing. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get that from? Like, how did you even think about it? Yeah. Um, but subhanallah, you know, like, and he corrected me, but subhanallah, you know, uh, alhamdulillah. I can imagine me um, going there. I wouldn't have got any of it. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this for? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, subhanallah, I remember even um, going to a course after two years of studying, going to a course in that masjid. It was called Masjid Al Khalid, one of the biggest masjid in Riyadh, and a very, very, mashallah, um, active mosque. Um, and they had a course in Ramadan. So every day after Ramadan, go to after Asr, and uh, depends on your level, they will put you in a class, and the teacher will teach you one subject under Tajweed. So the beginner's class would be in one second and Tanween. The the advanced class would be the script of the Quran. So you know, then there's Hada and Hadith. The script of the Quran is different than the normal Arabic script. So teaching you, so it would start from beginners till the end. Me and my brother enrolled in the beginners class, mm-hmm. and the teacher was Egyptian. He was teaching Tajweed, and it was really simple. But I remember not understanding anything throughout the whole class. And when they gave us notes to study from, I didn't understand anything. When we had the test, mm-hmm. I did not understand one. It's after two years? After two years. So I thought I'd mastered the language, but subhanAllah, reading or writing, this is true, reading or writing is even something that comes later on. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're young. When you're young, your ear is pretty good, but reading or writing is hard. So subhanAllah, I remember like, uh, getting the worst mark <laughs> for that test. Mm-hmm. Zero, basically. And my brother, subhanAllah, uh, he was number one. He got the first prize. And the first prize for that level that year was Hajj. So he got to go on free Hajj with a really nice group, mashallah, next to the Jamarat. Uh, and I got nothing. I think my father felt sorry for me, so he took me on Hajj that year. <laughs> and we, we met up basically on Hajj. But um, so I made Hajj when I was um, young. But um, yeah, subhanAllah, it was. Um, that was after one and a half years, so I was probably 14 years old or something. Um, subhanallah Anyway So we spent The first two years Studying Arabic And mixing with people As much as we could After two years My dad basi- And we started also At that time we, we Through those two years We started enrolling To Quran classes and stuff. Usually overseas Every mosque has Quran classes After Asad Every single day mm-hmm. With that We would also You know Sometimes go to some Talks Lectures um, um, Also some classes, but not much, just basic things. A few little book here and there, but not really in-test study yeah. of the team. Uh, after that, my dad, and not m- not only my dad, but me and my brother also really wanted to, um, you know, study something serious. Start to, you know, uh, have a have a, a set path in life, mm-hmm. like everyone else does. You know, in Australia, we didn't go to uni. We didn't. Everyone around us, you know, started to have a goal in life and. My cousin's now, you know, one of them's doctor, one of them is an engineer, you know. So they, you know, alhamdulillah, they had passed and that they started from very young. We didn't have anything. And we always wanted to have something. Yeah. Like, uh, in Australia, I always said, you know, I'm going to become, uh, you know, a recider, I'm going to become this, I'm going to become that. I want to become a chef yeah. uh, for a few years of my life. <laughs> so, you know, I always had a uh, passion in life. But when we went overseas and we had basic Arabic, we said, now, you know, we want to study. We want to go to school. Yeah. We want to do something. So. 
So my dad really, you know, he's he's always very keen on not making a mistake. So yeah. he said there's only two options for you. Yeah. Either I send you to Mecca, to a boarding school in Mecca, which is called uh, Dar al-Hadith. And this boarding school is very intense. So they study, like if you if you graduate from this school, secondary, uh, you will have much more knowledge than people have in Sharia and university. It's very intense. They study hours and hours and hours a day. And then yeah. in the afternoon, there's a bus that takes you to the Haram also, and you continue yeah. studies there. It's full on, full on, and you only get like three hundred riyals a month just to eat if you want. Yeah. Oh <laughs> so, well. So it's uh, it's very intense. <laughs> I love that idea. I was really yeah. excited to go to Mecca because we went, we went for to, to on Umrah and we visited the boarding school and I loved it. Yeah. It looks very like very simple, very small, and people look so dedicated. It's like so a direction, yeah. Yes, yeah. And, and everyone's so serious, and <laughs> I, I, that really that was really impressing for me. Sorry, Sheikh. Quick question: Was the plan always to come back to Australia? Mm, once we set foot, we said we don't want to go back. Okay. Once we set foot mm, in Saudi Arabia, yeah. I think my dad start was one hundred percent sure. Mm. The main focus was to get the kids um, understanding Arabic and Quran. Uh, but once we set foot, we never had the plan to go back. Yes. And we intended that we're never ever going to go back, and we only changed our mind just uh, a few months before. Oh, okay. <coughs> so anyway. Um, I like that idea, and um, my dad also, you know, he liked the idea. And he went around asking other like scholars and stuff, and asking their opinions and visiting people and saying, "What's the best for my boys? What should I, what should I do with them?" And uh, some of the mashayikh said to him, "There's actually like um, an institute in in Riyadh that is under Imam University. Imam University is the strongest Sharia course in Saudi Arabia, so." The most intense Sharia course or like knowledge course in Australia, mm-hmm. they have a uh, um, secondary schools that are under this this uni. So basically, if you go through um, the uh, secondary, you will have the basic knowledge, yeah. like basic ulum. Then once you go to university, it'll be easier for you. Yeah. So they said they're gonna study similar books to what they study in the Hadith, and they will also be with you in Riyadh, so you know your family doesn't isn't broken up into. Um, he made a sikhar and stuff, and, and subhanAllah, um, the end he, he decided that we'll bring all of us into, into, um, into Al-Ma'ad Al-Almi, it's called. And uh, subhanAllah, I think we weren't very happy with the idea, me and brother Ustad, because we, you know, like, the Mecca idea was, like, so intense, and you're going to, like, mashallah, become, like, you know, but it was better, alhamdulillah, in the end, uh, for the long term. So subhanAllah, um, uh, my dad spent probably around uh, half a year just trying to enroll us because these type of schools are only for Saudis basically. Mm. It's very hard for an Saudi to get into a good school, proper school or, or an institution or, you know, like uh, something. It's very hard. Usually, non Saudis go to just any school or they go to private schools with money. So my dad had to, you know, make a trip every single week to <laughs> the headquarters of... Um, uh, Riyadh and go and you know talk to different ministers and people and things yeah. until you know we got in Alhamdulillah. Uh, so once we started school, we st- you know, how we st- old were you? So uh, I I entered in like year eight maybe because you're like fourteen, fifteen. So Tharat would be um, so the third year of middle school, which is like probably year nine. Year nine, but I was young. I was the youngest in my so I I, I they basically put me a year ahead. Okay. So I've sort of been in year eight, but I was in year nine. Yeah. 
something like that. Yeah, it was pretty a bit hard because, like I said, the language stealing wasn't academic. That's something we didn't know. We thought that we had mastered language by then. Talking about over two years, but we had like we've been around. We go to classes. We do things. We thought we mastered language. But subhanAllah, language is just is, is, is a journey that does not stop, subhanAllah. Um, and you only know this if you learn a new language. Because oh. in English, that's what you like. The English that you have picked up in your life, part of it's from home, part of it's from school, part of it is from TV. It's, it, it's, subhanAllah, it's a whole, it's a whole journey. Mm. Um, so once we went to school, it was actually really hard because you don't really understand the books much. Mm. You don't know what to study. The teachers are talking very fast in speed. Uh, the students are, are talking its languages is another uh, issue. Yeah. And then you know, um, Subhanallah, um, you have uh, you know people picking at you at the same time in front of you and laughing. So it's really it's a lot of stress yeah. just to, to, to throw your kids into yeah, into the public system, basically. Like that. But alhamdulillah, you know, sometimes it works. So um, the first year was the hardest for me, especially I was pretty young. Then. Still wasn't like fully developed. Maturity and stuff, um, but Alhamdulillah, it was it was tough, but it was it was pretty good. I met uh, like all my my friends now, my best friends, uh, mm-hmm. people that I studied with that year. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Sheikh, how do you deal with the people like making fun or like you know because they know you're obviously not an Arab, you're not a local. How did you deal with that? Like, was it a shock at the start? I think, um, you, you know, it, it does affect you, but I think um, I really like. I had so much pride in what I was doing that I, mm. you know, so much Everything. pride in what I was doing that I didn't really care that much about, mm. about it. So, mm-hmm. um, like I used to feel I, d- I I don't remember feeling bad about myself. Yeah, I think that I'm a terrible person. I'm less than them. Yeah. Um, probably couldn't understand half the things they were saying about you. When I <laughs> yeah, like silly things. You know, these kids. You know, even those yeah, all kids do that. Whatever you are. Yeah. So um. Anyway, Alhamdulillah. Um. After that year. So uh, when we were when we were about to graduate from so from middle school, um, everyone, all my friends, my friends were religious, of course, were talking about this um, uh, this course that is opening in Mecca. And I heard about this in Australia from one of my Saudi friends a long time ago, and I thought it was a crazy idea, and I didn't think it was even true. He said, "There's a course, there's a, a program in Mecca." That gets you to memorize the whole Quran in twelve, uh, in in two months. What? And uh, in a sense, it's crazy. Like, how could someone memorize the Quran in two months? It's impossible. Mm. One of my friends, Saudi, he had, I think he had nearly finished the Quran already. Mm. I had already finished the Quran. He was going to enroll in this program to revise the Quran. But some people enter to memorize the Quran. So I had memorized up to Surah Nahd, so from from Surah Nahd to Surah Nahd, so probably uh, you know over sixteen juzah then. So I had more than half the Quran. But you know, our second dream was to to um, finish. finish the Quran. So uh, you know, um, again, I saw my friends enrolling. A few of my friends enrolling. People talking about it, and the videos online of people saying, you know, we finished the Quran. We did this. We did that. Two months. You're spending two months in the Haram. Every prayer you're praying in the Haram, right next to the Haram, in a, in a hotel, uh, a four or five star hotel, which is really good too. Um, just it sounded like such. Amazing idea, mm. yeah. and me and my brother both went to enroll. And what happens is basically in every uh, city of Saudi Arabia, they have people uh, who test the um, the students. 
to see if they could enough for the program or not so you have to have a pretty sharp memory and also you have to basically um you know be able to deal with the pressure of memorizing mm. f- quite a few pages a day so me and my brother went to the interview with my friends we all together so exciting and you know it, it, this by the way this this um this program is still there in Mecca until now and people enroll from all around the world so if you're not from Saudi, usually they call you and do a testing for you. It's called the Dor al-Alamiya al-Mukathafa al-Hifta quran fi shahrayn. So, you know, the the intense um, global course for memorizing the whole Quran in two months. That's what it's called. Yeah. It's, even the name is very... <laughs> so, subhanAllah, and if you don't memorize the Quran, you're out. So, oh. like, if you're too late, you get kicked out of the... You get sent home. Like, if you don't do keep up... Do you think yeah. have a bare minimum? Like, do you have, do you have to know five jewels to get I accepted? think three jewels you have to get into accepted. Okay. But you have to also pass a test. So yeah. test mm. They test you on your memorization. I think it's five jewels. Sorry, yeah, five jewels. So when I me- when I left Australia, I had five jewels with me. But so throughout those two three years, I memorized another another ten eleven jewels. Mm. Very slowly, I was actually my brother was pretty um, like um, fast. fast, but I was I was still young and I was. I spent most of the time in Saudi Arabia, like walking in the streets and going to shops <laughs> and, and meeting people and listening to people and Fashion. you know just and try, uh, trying to like. Understand culture and things in my own way, and trying to make you know have my own explanation of things, not mm. just take what my what my family says or something like that, or just mm. or just go to someone and listen from them, but actually see myself and try things out myself. I was into that when I was young. So um, when uh, we went to the interview, when it was my turn, so they have all all the students lined up. There's two people sitting there, and they and they call your name and then you go. So once they, when they called me, they said to me, "All right." Um, We'll give you a page, you memorize it. So they, they, they check the time. I didn't know they checked the time, but check how long it takes you to memorize it. They come back and you read it to them. They see how strong your memorization is. Damn. So they said to me, um, they, t- they asked me a few questions. Have you studied any books? Have you, you, know, have you have some knowledge about where you're from? Yeah. And then they said, okay, see this page? The last page of Surah uh, Hazab. Go, memorize it. And then when you're ready, come back. And I had already memorized Surah, um, surah Hazab, but also that page was such an easy page. Most of you hear a lot. So I was like, I'm scared if I memorize it. And then they find out when they ask me later on how much you memorize, I memorize it, they're going to say, Are you playing with us? I'm not going to accept you. Oh. So I said to them, Look, I've already memorized this page. So is that okay if I, me- if I already memorize the page I've already memorized? So he's like, Okay, we'll give you another page. Yeah. And he chose probably the hardest page in the Quran. <laughs> the probably the hardest page in on the Quran. <laughs> In Surah Yunus, Surah Yunus, anyone who's memorized the Quran knows that Surah Yunus is not an easy surah. It's one of the hardest surahs. And the pages in Surah Yunus he chose is one of the hardest pages in Surah Yunus. So um, uh, the start of the pages, من من Even like words like يهدي, you would never hear that word in the Quran other than this page. So I just saw the page. <laughs> I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yeah, know how to read shock. it properly. Uh-huh. So, how, like, it takes it takes a few minutes just to, to read it and then start memorizing it. Uh-huh. And Subhanallah, okay, okay, I'll go memorize it. And I spent my time memorizing it. I was uh, repeated every ayah, like you know, 10, 20, 30 times, mm. memorizing, 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 memorizing. And I didn't know they're checking the time. They want to know if you can memorize like twelve pages a day or not. Mm. That's what they want. They don't. They don't want. They don't want to. Uh, you know, they don't want you just to perfect the page or to see how fast you memorize. So I was just spending my time, and everyone's finished their test, and I'm just 
walking around the mosque, <laughs> memorizing, 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 so happy. And then when I finished, like, like I'm ready now, and he tested me, and I made a few mistakes, but it was okay. And my friend, my friend got accepted straight away. It took about two months oh. to get results. My brother got accepted, or he wasn't accepted, but he was in the, uh, like, the, 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 there's, um, there's a few positions. If you don't get accepted, there's someone, like if, the someone if someone falls out, yeah. they, they oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So both my friend and my brother were fine. But my name wasn't there at all. <laughs> and I got, I went crazy. Yeah. I went crazy. And I remember um, finding the number of the head of the program somehow. I don't know how I got his number. <laughs> Some of those old for, you know, chats or one of those old, those old uh, um, websites. And I got his number and I gave him help. Every no single salah I would call him before and after the prayer. Oh and my God. beg him like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said, um, like, um, he, I think he knew the, the, the local imam of the mosque that used to pray at, uh, in Riyadh. So he said, the imam can test you again. And the imam gave me a page and gave me a hard page as well. And he said, look, like, you memorize this is okay, but, you know, the time you, you, you're taking to memorize the page, it's not enough time for, uh, to memorize 12 pages a day. Mm. You're going to memorize a lot of Quran in Mecca. Mm. I was like, okay, just check me into the program and I'll do it. Just put me into the program. I just want you to accept me. That's it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not stupid. I'm good. I'm, I'll do it. Uh, just don't, you know, like, I want I want the chance to, to go to Mecca for two months and, you know, like, Experience become it, yeah. something. And it's, I don't know, like, you know, to finish the Quran. You come home and you finish the Quran. It's amazing. Mm. Uh, so, um, I kept on pressuring both of them now. <laughs> Until I got a call from uh, from the head of the, the program. So I was a little kid, yeah, yeah. Even when he asked me, what's, what's your age? What are you, like, wh- why are you, like... Why is it came? Why are you talking like this? Like, like that? And I said to him, I remember I said to him, like, my age is the same age as Osama bin Zaid when he led the, <laughs> the army to the book. something I should say. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I can't do 11 Jews. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he was like, oh my God, what's wrong with this kid? He's like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, um, anyway, I think he just wanted, like, peace of mind. So he said, look, I'm going to send you the form, the enrollment form. I'm going to give you one week. When you come to the Dora, the first week you don't meet expectations, you're out. That's what he said to me. Wow. I'm like, yalla, khalas. Just take me. Take me, I'm not going to go back. So, subhanAllah, we went. And I remember when we went to the first day in the Dora, they had a meeting in the bottom of the hotel. So you pay like 2,500 rials, but you spend the whole two months there. So it's nothing compared to what actually cost, it cost them a lot of money for every single student. What, what's the equivalent to in Australian dollars? Yeah. So, two and a half would be $1,000. Okay. Or, uh, or for even two less. months of pretty much free yeah, accommodation. So, so, it's basically free. It's just a... Yeah, uh, $1,000 is nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you have to bring take yourself to Mecca. And so, basically, um, subhanAllah, um, <laughs> when we got there, they had a big meeting with the students from all countries and they put us in different groups. Uh, every group of five students will, will be sleeping in a room. And every week, they'll change rooms around so they get to meet all the students. Mm. It's really interesting. And Very good people from, from Oman, people from, from America, people from all different countries and different ages. It's amazing. And, and what was the weirdest country you heard? Something just you didn't expect. Yeah, if you like a European countries, but most of them, most of them talked Arabic. And also, the age was because you were fifteen. I was the youngest. Yeah, I was You're the youngest. youngest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. What's the average okay. age? That me, you and saw? me and another another student, another Saudi student. I don't know if you completed it or not. Um, 
So we're both f- around 15 years old. I thought it was for like kids, for young people. Okay. Yeah, you're supposed to be at least 15 years old. So I think I, I'm not sure if I'm 15. I think I actually I didn't really meet the 15, but I was nearly oh, there. Okay. So they, 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 they took me in. But I was around 15 years old. Um, so after that, we had a meeting in the Haram. And the Haram, there'll be a certain area in the Haram that you go to, in the mosque, in the Mecca. And uh, every teacher will have six students for each. And then you're given amount of pages you have to memorize every single day. So there's a whole schedule until the end of the Quran. You have to uh, memorize, uh, I think it was some days eight, eight pages, some days, some days 11 pages, some days 12 pages, and revise, I don't know how many pages, like a lot, like half a juz a day or a juz a day, something like that. So um, when they put us into groups, they're like, your last time. And most of the students had memorized the Quran before. They were just flying through it, which is sort of Baqarah. Even the ones who didn't find they had sort of Baqarah. Yeah. I memorized Back more than half the Quran from the back. Yeah. First half, I had not memorized it all. Mm. And I remember that first day was so hard for me. My brain, I, I couldn't like, even see properly. Yeah. I was just mm. dizzy and I started to get really <laughs> scared. I know they're going to kick me out tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. And the yeah. teacher I had was really bad too. He was like, um, you know, you shouldn't have been involved in this program if you're not half of it anyway. Oh. And I was a little kid, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you haven't seen Surah Al-An'am. Surah Al-An'am, this when the reciters themselves can't even pass it. How are you going to pass it? <laughs> and he was just destroying me every yeah. single day. <laughs> so yeah, I remember I, like, after the first or second day, I was, I was already getting late. I was already late. And at the end of the week, if you're late, they send you a warning. Second week, you're late. Khalas, you're out. So I remember I went to the, the, uh, the, um, the pharmacy under the hotel. And I was like, I said, look at my head. It's killing me. Right? And I don't know what to do. He's like, are you in the program? The, the the Quran program. <laughs> I was like, yeah. He's like, look, I have a special uh, medicine for you. If you, you take one pill a day, so there's, there's forty pills. The same, uh, same <laughs> number of days of in, in, in the program. Take a pill a day and it'll help you. That's so good. I don't know what he gave me. <laughs> I don't know what he gave me. That's so uh, And it, over the counter, stuff and I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why. I had it once or twice, and I just stopped. Hundred line. It's probably something very dangerous. Like I don't know. What twice was enough? I don't know what it was. No, ADHD because I know they have study pills. Like people take them in university. Are they dangerous? Are they dangerous? I don't think so. Alright, so. I don't know what it was, but, but anyway. I think if you can overdose on them, but they're 15, maybe. man. I had one or two, but, <laughs> yeah. I had one or two, but then I stopped. I didn't have any. 15 year old comes up to you, asks you for something to help his head. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got to feel for you. <laughs> one of them. Anyway, um, I had a bit, a bit of money I think I saved up from somewhere. I don't know if so I was used to, used to use that. Um, anyway, the first week or two was terrible. Terrible. And um, after that, I would just like. Memorize my teacher. The second teacher I got was really lenient. They changed teachers every week as well. Yeah. So he used to let me memorize half a page, read it to him, then another half a page, read it to him. So I was just, you know, just making it every day. Yeah. One day it'd be late. The weekend I'll catch up when I had like a uh, the other students will have a rest day. I'll be catching up. So I was really just just Straight. making it, and my memorization wasn't the best. But I was just struggling really hard, and it was it was tough. It was very tough. But I never got. Like uh, I think I got one warning or something, but I never got like a second warning. I never got kicked out of the program. But it was it was extremely tough. Just the memorization was was hard. The revision was mm. was not good. And a lot of the teachers, like I said, were really um, harsh um, mm. on the students. But Alhamdulillah. Uh, so the the end of the program was the tenth day of Ramadan. So it was one and a half months of Ramadan, and then ten days in Ramadan. So you get Ramadan in Mecca with Tarawih and everything was amazing. Subhanallah. And, and that program, you know, your Arabic jumps up to another mm. level. Um, you meet people from all different countries. You 
it's amazing. You're living alone, like you know, like mm. you're free without any family or yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's, it's something that I, as you know, the like just always wished to mm. do. So Alhamdulillah, um, finish the Quran. But like I said, the memorization was was, was weak. I can't memorize the Quran two months plus. Yeah, and I, it took me around two years after that to strengthen just my memorize with so two years of intense revision every day you, you know reading 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 a juice two juice a day sometimes and then in the summer i would usually enroll into a quran class a course like in riyadh and they'll have like a teacher for revision and i'll do a one half juice a day or something to like the quran every ramadan again and again and again without looking until you know my memory started to get stronger so programs like this don't really make you um a strong half of but it was just a start. Yeah. So you officially, uh, you officially finished the Quran, memorizing it, even if your memorization is, is weak. And that program really gave you a boost in, 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 um, in confidence and energy to, to continue. So after I came back, I've been hearing the whole Dota in Haram and even speakers and stuff that, you know, forgetting the Quran is such a big sin and it's Haram and stuff. So I basically mm. was really, you know, pushing myself to... to maintain. To not just maintain, but also to perfect my memorization. Yeah. So throughout that year... The first year, most of it was really trying to perfect my memorization. And I started secondary then. So in Saudi Arabia, you have um, primary, middle school, and secondary. So secondary would be from year um, like 10, 10, 11, 10. 12. That's mm. all we do. Um, when I enrolled in year 10, most of the the boys in the class I was in and stuff started to, you know, s- uh, attend the doors and classes and study books outside of school, not just what we're studying in school. And, you know, like to go to, go to libraries and go to bookshops lot of bookshops in other countries you know, and buy books in fiqh in you know in, in, in history and stuff and start to you know have their own uh their libraries and home and stuff and and read when they went home and attend classes and do all those kind of things. So from then we started to attend like one dars a week or something in, in fiqh usually usually humble fiqh obviously is not study. Um some duros in hadith uh, there was um, a, a course in memorizing hadith that we went, we entered as well then when I was young. Um, so we started doing small things, but the main focus was revising Quran yeah. and then, you know, making f- friends and getting basic knowledge as well as the school, we had school. So basically... And what were you um, studying at school? So, so school, school like I said, it's... Um, Maths, uh, you, geography, no, all no, of no, 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 no. Um, hadith, fiqh. Uh, oh, so it's, it's not even like a general uh, school, like your maths, humanities. You have geography in, uh, in, in for two years. You have history throughout the whole thing. You have a few, but it's mainly it's pretty much Islamic studies. It's mainly Islamic So it's kids, it's got like it, for not really kids secondary. Yet. It's to, it's supposed to um, uh, give you the same subjects that you said in Sharia, Whoa. but in an easier form, basically. Whoa. So um, the main focus was that. And um, like I said, um, also meeting people and making friends and stuff like that um, throughout those few years. Throughout, uh, uh, when I uh, reached year 11 and 12, another course that I heard about opened up. It was a hadith course in the haram <laughs> as well. <laughs> Let's hear these same course. <laughs> two months? <laughs> Another two months. It was uh, less, it was like one half months. Oh. And basically, so this course was made to memorize the origins of Bukhari and Muslim and six books. Basically, um, you know, in Sahih Bukhari, 
Um, there's there's stuff. there's around no 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 that's what I'm saying the origins not the Senate. So there's around seven thousand hadith in Sahih Bukhari, but half of them, nearly half, three thousand of them are repeated. So Imam Bukhari will use the same hadith in different areas of the book, but he, sometimes he uses a different isnad. Mm. One of the hadith. Sometimes you know, he uses the same isnad, but he will just uh, repeat the hadith because uh, the meaning. Uh, like you, in the book of Salah, you use the hadith in the same book, the hadith you use in, in a different book because the meaning works for both. Mm. So if, there's, if the hadith is, is repeated, he would, it wouldn't be there. The isnad would be taken off. So that would be, t- would be taken off so that um, it's easy to memorize. And books like this were written a long time ago throughout history. Like Imam Dhabi mentions some that in his time, you know, people used to memorize Mukhtasar Sahihain, the abbreviated version of Sahihain uh, by Imam Ashbiri. And so there's a lot of, uh, you know, um, a lot of different books that try to make Bukhari Muslim easy. Yep. So the first year, would be memorizing the hadith that Imam Bukhari Muslim agree upon. The second year is memorizing the hadith that the hadith that they don't agree upon. So um, half half of the course would be Bukhari, just the, the, the hadith only Bukhari narrated, and then the other half of the course would be Muslim. And then the the year after that is memorizing the hadith in the six books that are not in Al Bukhari and Muslim. So any hadith that's in Bukhari Muslim, in the six books would be um, uh, deleted, basically, and um, they would only put the hadith. So Abu Dawood would be that big instead of being that big. Why? Because the hadith in Bukhari Muslim. So yeah. a few thousand hadith altogether in the end of the course. Yeah. Um, so a lot of my friends and stuff were interested in this course, and this course was everyone's talking about it. It's for how many years? So it's for it six goes weeks on. for a couple of different. Uh, I went. I went for three courses. Okay. Personally, so Bukhari, and then, so the great one Bukhari Muslim, and then the six books. But there is other. Um, other um, courses, uh, other courses as well. So basically, um, the only condition is to memorize the whole Quran. That's the only condition, and to have a good memory. So they give you a page of hadith, <laughs> you memorize <laughs> it your first. Um, and Subhanallah, um, uh, the test was going to be in the biggest mosque of Riyadh. It's called um, Rajhi Masjid. It's huge masjid. It's yeah. huge. It's it's very it's beautiful masjid. So um, me and my brother and my friends like. Told my dad, like, I want to go to this course now and try this out. Because when we're in the Quran course, we used to see people with hadith books walking around, and, mm. and like, mashallah, you're memorizing a lot of hadith is something very, very, you know. I, is it harder to memorize hadith or Quran? Like, is there a general thing? Like right, maybe hadith, you need perfect Arabic language. Perfect, okay. Yeah, okay. If your Arabic's not good, it's going to be really hard for you. Okay. Because you're not, it's not, it doesn't rhyme like the Quran. Yeah. Quran, you don't need Arabic. Remember in the Quran class, uh, in, Quran, in the Quran course, you had one student who didn't talk Arabic. His name was, was I think, was Wasif. I think he was from. He was Pakistani and he was in America. There you go. But he had been in Saudi when he was young. He grew up, but he didn't he didn't talk Arabic. Subhanallah. And I remember he was very uh, he was American, but he was because you spoke to him English very, then. Did you chat to him? Or? I would I, I was I wouldn't talk in English to anyone. <laughs> yeah. and he used to get really offended. He's get really offended, and the, the yeah, reason no I talk English is my, my dad told me, my brother, that don't talk to English to anyone inside because they're gonna use you to learn English, yeah. and then you're not gonna learn Arabic. So use them to learn Arabic, and then talk English. <laughs> and he's get really offended. <laughs> he used to get so upset. And he talked to me in English, and then I reply in Arabic. And it's like you know, like as I thought he knew basically Arabic, so he should be able to. Yeah. And he's get really offended. He's, and, he, and then I remember the end of the class, I started to realize that it's wrong. You know, 
حرام يعني and you're reading to teach and then there's a test after every every book you finish so the the agreed upon hadith are four books four books every book is that big so four books the end of the book, that much probably uh, the end of every book is a test a written test and also a verbal test so the verbal test will be the sheikh the head of the course who sit down and one by one ask you questions mm. so it's really really tough you know this yeah. hadith that who narrates this hadith who's narrated this hadith continue from here continue from here really like um then the, the other test would be easy. You, you know, just um, mention five hadiths on this topic, whatever. Mm. So, um, me, my brother, and um, a few of my friends enrolled in this course. And actually, sorry, one of my friends enrolled in this course in that year that I didn't go to Mecca when I was revising Quran. And he went secretly. We didn't know about him. But one of my other friends went to Mecca and he saw him there and he told us about it. So, like, no, we want to do that too. You know, like it's, uh, you know that age, so you just want to try everything. So, um, yeah. And uh, it's not a bad thing, you know. You can try. It's a bad thing. No, uh, <laughs> no, I'm saying, no, I'm saying <laughs> in Islam, like, uh, you might not succeed in everything. Yeah. But you need gave to, it a to go. try it. 100%. Sorry, Sheikh. Just before you continue the thing, what would be, so for example, somebody's viewing this right now, is watching it, they're like, oh, like, I, I understand the importance of memorizing the Quran, but I don't understand the importance of memorizing the Hadith. You, do you have a specific like is there a reason or something yeah. that you're sh- okay. told you? uh, by the way not everything that I did at the start when I was young uh, is something that I advise people to do so uh, later on in life I uh, I realized that a lot of things I did were wrong and there's a different approach to knowledge that I didn't take from early on so we'll get to that in a no, yeah. <laughs> but this is just um, your story just, uh, this is just, I, was, I was young this is just trying things out yeah. yeah I hadn't you know graduated from uh, secondary yet I haven't started my own journey into really uh, going through traditional knowledge and stuff like that. That's different. That's a whole different topic. But this is just, you know, um, trying basics out and and trying to, to achieve goals that, that I never thought I'd be able to achieve when I was young and then mm. then seeing if that, those goals really were what I wanted or not. And the sort of mistakes I made and stuff. So, you know. mm. um, and a lot of the students in these hadith courses think that if you know the hadith, khalas. You know, they're, they're scholars of Islam and they understand the meanings of the hadith and they can get fatwa and it's, all, it's, it's a big mistake. Okay. You know, hadith is one thing, but explanation of hadith is another science. It has hundreds of books. And then the fiqh of the hadith, understanding how you have to study fiqh first mm. and Arabic language and it's a whole, mm. whole different thing, subhanAllah. That's just, memorizing hadith is, is only one step. It's, you don't have to memorize the hadith. But to understand is even, even harder for Anyway, um, so we went to the hadith course, and um, subhanallah, <laughs> when we got tested, they gave me a page, and it was an easy page, so I said, alhamdulillah. <laughs> I took the book, memorized the page, I was one of the best mm. memorizing the page, so I could accept it straight, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Didn't have to harass any chef. Imagine it's the same chef. Because, bro, you annoyed me last time. He was friends with the sheikh of that. So they connected. knew. Well connected. So um, I think that thing is like yeah, yeah. dangerous. Just and Subhanallah, that month in Mecca was like like Jannah. Subhanallah, you know, um, 
I had grown a bit. I had been to Mecca for about a year, uh, over a year, over a year, sorry, two years. Um, I started studying a bit, so I understood a bit. My Arabic improved a lot. My interest in life was different. So, you know, you can sit there with the book, with the hadith, memorizing hadith, and the Kaaba is in front of you, and you do every, every day. And it's, it's different, subhanAllah. Mm. And the students in this, this course were much more, they, 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 were, they were very dedicated students, very serious. They weren't, you know, they were, most of them were stu- students of knowledge. Some of them were judges. Some of them were like, you know, people who finished uni and uh, finished masters and oh, stuff. Inshallah. Inshallah. So yeah. I was also one of the youngest mm. in the class. Some of them had like the ten, ten qara'at, stuff like that, mashallah. Mm. So, um, the first year was the, the Great Open Hadith. It was, it was really hard. Hadith was even harder because they had to memorize like, you know, like a lot yeah. more than, because you got to go through so many hadiths, so you had to memorize a bit more. But alhamdulillah, it was interesting. And um, after that, I enrolled the next year. I spent that year revising Hadith and Quran, basically, and attending a few more durus, a few more things. And yeah. also, I, I was in year 11, so... Um, we had a lot to do in, in, in school. After that, Subhanallah, um, because also after Asr, I used to usually go to a class, Halakha, Quran, revision. So most of the day was busy. After the next year, I enrolled straight away in the next in the next level, the the hadith that are not agreed upon, and uh, Alhamdulillah, um, that was was easier than the level before that for me because I was really used to it. Or all year revising, revising, revising. Most of the students weren't revising all year. So the next yeah. year it was really hard for them. I had revised, so it was pretty easy, alhamdulillah. And um, and then after that, I went to the third level. And then after that, I stopped. I um, I really changed my direction in knowledge. Oh, this is when you finished school? Later on. Like finished school? Or uh, after school, basically. Okay, yeah, so yeah, after, school. Okay. after school. So, um... <coughs> Throughout school, um, the last two years of school, I also started attending uh, more intense duros. So, like uh, scholars who are specialized in usul fiqh and more detailed things, not just you know explanation of hadith or something, but classes that really talk about details and you know the sciences like that are you know that a lot of us don't don't really read it about yeah. in Islam and going to more intense duros and um, listening to uh, classes online and um, you know, writing and visiting scholars and stuff like that. Just before uni. So, um, you know, you start on the... Uh, what, uh, knowledge is a really long journey, longer than the journey of language. You start to, subhanAllah, to um, to understand what's right or wrong by yourself. So, you shouldn't do it by yourself. Yeah. The ideal case would be that you have a sheikh who tells you what's right and what's wrong. Mm. But, um, subhanAllah, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Sometimes guides you alone. Sometimes it's not this. It's not an ideal case, but this is what happened. To so <coughs> when I went to uni, um, Subhanallah, in, in Saudi Arabia, if you're not Saudi and you're living full time in Saudi, um, you usually have to wait one and a half years until you go to uni. One and a half years until you get into university. So if you want to go to Sharia, you have to wait one and a half years, unless you want to pay eighty thousand dollars up front. And Money, you know. So, um, me and my brother both had to wait that one and a half years. My brother, in his one and a half years, um, uh, he, mashallah, he started working. He started going to da'wah and other fields and stuff. And, you know, in that one and a half years, I didn't work at all. 
I was at home with my mom cooking stuff at the time and doing my own studies. I was into reading and researching a lot. I love research a lot. Yeah. And going to Indoros and stuff in my spare time and revising hadith. I also got into what they know as Mutun Almiya. So uh, scholars of the past would always write like poems, long poems, hundreds of, a few hundred lines of poetry in in, uh, in different sciences. So, you know, a poem in Usul Fiqh, a poem in Sirah, a poem in Mustalih al-Hadith. Uh, I got into that, memorizing those poems. So interesting, you know, like... Just it's it's a whole science, but uh, poetry. Mm-hmm. So you know, they would you know it's really engaging, and you and I would I'd play them, you know, while I was cleaning and stuff in house. So I was I got into <coughs> exploring different, um, different, uh, you know, different things that I had never never done before in life. Yeah, like you know, you know, instead of just saying, a scholar could write a book saying saying you know that um, the conditions of, of of Taha of Salah one, two, three, four, five, or you could put him into a poem and say, you know, Laho Shuruton Hamsatun Tahuruma, something like that. So you know you memorize it like that. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. I was gonna ask you what do you mean by like poetry? So for example, the did you about Salah there's Fajr the No 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 so poem they'll be like specialized into in a madhab or in a in a like be very detailed. Very detailed, yeah. So if you memorize this poem you know, you 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 more of a senior type of. I, I think that'll be very good also for development of Arabic language. Oh, because definitely, if you yeah. see a teacher, you go and maybe the same Arabic. But if you're going 500 years ago and the scholars writing, the yeah, Arabic exactly, is probably exactly, very different. Exactly, and uh, and it's beautiful, like the, the way they write. In the Subhanallah, it's very, uh, it's very beautiful. Like, um, Subhanallah, um, scholars of Mauritania, especially and Morocco in these countries, all they memorize is poetry. All they memorize is poetry. Crazy about poetry, mm. and poetry mm. is so easy for them. They could speak poetry if they wanted. They could like you know just talk like this. They could make it the whole oh, conversation, conversation poetry if they wanted. Oh, well, and Arab poetry is not easy because in Arabic the, they have the the awzan, so it has to be certain harakat on the letters of the sentence for it to be called poetry. Oh. They have to match every single line has to match throughout the whole conversation. Wow. So I have to like fatha fatha sukun fatha fatha, right? If the second line has to be matching the same, the first line. Wow. Can't change. So, it's, it, you know, it's, it's detailed. It's a, it's a whole science. Uh, yeah. And even in secondary, we studied, we studied this in secondary. It's called Arud. Arud Nqafi. Arud is um, the science that tells you the harakat and the uh, you know, the sequence that um on every single line of poetry. And there's different styles. So there's a different, um, uh, what they call this, a, a different bihar. So a bahar is um, a style of poetry. And every Bahar would have a different harakat and different mm. Anyway. Sheikh, we're probably not going to be able to go through every detail. Yeah. So is it okay Um, we... Because now you said you finished secondary. Yeah. I want to know how you... Because the one thing is studying the deen, but the one thing is going to the next level of being a Sheikh, being a teacher, being a... Was it... Did you go through the Sharia path after one and a half years? So after that, basically. like So after this... Um, one uh, and a half year, wait. <laughs> throughout the one and a half year, it was the main... I think the main change for me. Um... I started to explore different sciences, so like uh, you know, tahrij al hadith, um, how to uh, to make a ruling on a hadith, sahih and daif, stuff like that, and go d- different courses, different scholars, look for you know people who specialize in different fields and 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 benefit from them. And throughout my study in masajid and stuff, also I, I started to realize the importance of of uh, madahib and Islamic schools of thought. Because these schools of thought, whether it's in fiqh and in other areas, 
are built on like you know, uh, subhanallah you have thousands and thousands and thousands of specialized scholars in different fields in every school of thought um, building that school of thought and writing books about it and 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 uh, and correcting each other so schools of thought are really strong um uh, mountains of knowledge that we have there. So um, I started to um, also focus on studying fiqh and usul uh, fiqh according to a madhab. Uh, then, and um, so I studied the Hanbali madhab for about five years, and then later on I went to the Shafi'i madhab. Um, so um, at that time I entered uni, four years of uni. Sharia, so our uni was very intense. Uh, you have Seven hours a day, seven hours a day, seven hours a day, seven hours a day plus research, um, every single day, five days a week. <laughs> so it's intense, very yeah, intense. Full time job. And then I had classes in the afternoon. Sometimes I had my own readings. I had my own interests. So sometimes I wouldn't agree with the doctor. You know, like I would. Uh, now I started to really, you know, to, to have my own um, interest. I would rather sometimes read my own book than listen to. Some of the lecturers who weren't really specialized in the topic. Some are, some aren't. You, know, you have good and bad. <laughs> in 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 Islamic communities, you have people who are very good in intention. Some of them, you know, not, not very knowledgeable. Have both. Mm. Unis, isn't, you can't judge with unis. A lot of people out there today who I know have, have degrees in Islamic studies, but they haven't uh, given knowledge much time in their life. You know, traditional knowledge. Old books, the, the, what they call in Arabic the yellow books. You know, there's old books that are written. Doesn't use an understanding the the origins of different knowledge. They haven't given that time, so they have a degree, they pass the tests and stuff, but that's not knowledge. Mm. That's nothing. Knowledge even is more than that. Even doing Sharia for doing Sharia is not enough. Yeah. Okay. A lot of a lot of people who do have a Sharia degree, and a lot of yeah, most respected um, imams and other people in, in the community without naming anyone, um, you could call them students of knowledge. Dyers. Yeah. You call them Sheikh, no problem, but doesn't mean that they're knowledgeable. Mm. Specialized in knowledge. Because knowledge is very, very, very intense. Yeah, if you think about it, four years, you live in Australia your whole life and you go four years. No, it's nothing. You know? It's nothing, yeah? yeah. Knowledge, once you graduate from Sharia, you know, you still have to, you can't stop. You can't stop. And until today, like, you know, um, every day you know, I learn new things. And uh, yeah. I still attend Durusta now. Some of my shaykh, I left them overseas, we continue online. There's no stopping, inshallah, you know, for knowledge. You can't stop. So, um, through Sharia, I started to have my own personality, my own view, my own interest. And um, alhamdulillah, also academically, I finished uh, my, my, my degree there. But I also wanted to really go into the traditional knowledge, the old books and stuff. And I really, I, 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 I came to a um, uh, to know and understand that uh, subhanallah traditional knowledge is much more intense and deeper than everything that you study in uni how far back do you go like just so we can have a rough idea so throughout my whole life I've been finding that out but mm. um, I mean in books and stuff yeah, I'm saying, you're saying traditional what is so like traditional knowledge is different ago, is no, no it's different okay so traditional knowledge basically when I was younger I used to think it was like that so you read the old books and then start from there and go up. Oh, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's a wrong approach. So read the, f- like, for example, good hadith, read Muatta, then Bukhari, then go up and up. That's wrong. Or in grammar, go to the old books of Arabic grammar, then start to understand the later books. That's wrong. No. And knowledge in Islam, any field you go, 
they're all different speci- uh, like uh, there's a different the different fields okay the scholars started uh to write books uh, most different scientists started around uh the um third hundred uh year of hijrah they started to write sciences into books writing wasn't a big thing at the prophet's time the tabi'in time there's thing. the school, people knowledge they had arabic language they had all the the, the, the sciences that helped them understand the sharia so they didn't, they didn't need to write much writing became a big thing later on so 200 years after sudden writing started after and when writing starts it starts with a few scholars writing then other scholars um uh, you know writing uh, um or uh, correcting um, correcting them or writing explanations of what they wrote and start and the scholars start to really expand, 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 expand. Um, and then after that, hundred years later, you know, <laughs> the later scholars with the scholars were so knowledgeable, you know, the so, scholars of Islam were so knowledgeable. These people were giants that we, we don't know anything about. You know, all the scholars that we talk about in, in, in different fields. Um, Subhanallah. Would, they would explain more, explain more, explain more, expand, and then you know they become scholars. Later scholars would come and correct the mistakes that happened, and it just would be an army of scholars correcting, working on one, on perfecting one science in Arabic and things. So the later books of scholars are where you should start from. But the scholars, the late scholars, so uh, like a thousand years after Hijrah, kind of okay, late, late, late scholars in, 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 in Azhar, in Morocco, and they would write. Beginner books, and then um, they would write books for uh, people who had finished the first level of knowledge, second level, third level of knowledge, until they go into intense books. When you reach the the, the higher levels of, of different sciences, then usually you're able to read the older books, the newer books, the later books, and understand them all. But you have to start step by step. So all the scholars have, have um, in every science, they have what's called mu'atamad. Muhtamad means the um, uh, basically the books that are that are known and approved by the scholars of that science. So there's certain books that in every field that are known, well known and approved, and all the scholars always explain these books, mm. no other books. Mm. So it's pretty easy. If you go into and that's that's what I love about traditional knowledge. If you go to gram into grammar, you know you start with ajrami or something. Then they'll go into like Qatar Nada. After that, go to Alfiya to Malik. It's pretty simple. Once you finish Alfiya, you can start going to large, deep discussions, grammar, and understand other things. What universities do now, okay, is someone comes and writes a brief introduction of all these different sciences, and then just put it into a book. So it doesn't give you anything. Okay. Yeah. If the person, te- uh, you know, uh, graduating with Sharia doesn't understand the books that are written in the field that he's specializing in, it's a big mistake. It's a mistake. Most people don't, don't know anything about what's written. And I'll give you an example. <coughs> I'm talking about a university that, that's uh, in a well-known university. And people study seven hours a day. The whole life they've been to university. Most of them, when they go home, they study all day. The last year of uni, our teacher, <laughs> this happened uh, maybe five different times. Teacher would, would gather the students, Sharia, they're all religious, all Muslim memorize Quran, and ask them in your madhab, Hanbali madhab that they're studying, because fiqh is usually Hanbali madhab in Saudi Arabia, give me five Mu'atamid books, five books that are um, approved by the scholars of the madhab that are known to study. None of them knew. None of them could get one. 
they knew some names of Hanbali books, but they didn't know the approved books. So it's it's a science, you know. I mean, understanding how the scholars write and which books to refer to and which ones not to refer to is a, is a very deep science that not anyone understands. Even just talking about math, you can't open a book and get a get a get a you know a ruling from it. You have to understand which ones to choose and what. And if the books differ, which one to uh, to go by? It's, it's, it's really it's really really uh, deep. No one knew. And um, you know that's when I used to like to answer and then get like extra marks because <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> I was I used to, uh, that was the field that I really interested in that time. So anyway, to cut cut it short, um, towards the end of uni, I I had started studying like personal studies, but I wanted to go and study with scholars who taught the old way. So basically, you know, uh, sit sit me down the floor. And just teach me fiqh, teach me, um, you know, any other science, but the old way. Okay, you know, teach me those, like I said, those old books that used to be taught before Yunus came to uh, the Arabic and the Islamic world. Yunus are amazing, great, yeah? But like I said, um, what's happened now is that a lot of people have um, uh, certificates, but are not scholars. And when they enter into the field, they are the ones who... Uh, mess everything up. Yeah. Not unique that messes things up, but it is some of some people who are not specialized and they uh, put themselves in positions that they're not. It's understandable. For example, we all went to uni. Mm. We did three, four years degree, the same as Abdul Ali. Mm. And we, if someone asked me, "Am I an expert on my field?" I'd say no chance. You know. Mm. And even if I did another three years, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. And it's that kind of <coughs> thing where even we're trying to say now that maybe sometimes that three, four years isn't enough to mm. the real knowledge. It takes time. It's like you said. It's it's n- never ending. Uh, and and yeah, like I said, having some knowledge, doing a course, whatever you call it, like I know um, a lot of people in Melbourne, Adam course, what they call it, course, whatever it is, say they call it, it doesn't make you an expert at all. Yeah, it gives you keys. It's to start. You are someone who's interested in knowledge. You're a student of knowledge. It's good, but it's not enough. You have to, knowledge has to. You have to study over ten years. Over ten years proper study every day to you know reach a really really deep understanding of any of, of islamic science islamic because in islam like even if you study fiqh you need to study a few different sciences with it to understand it you have to study uh, arabic language usul fiqh um so many things you have to study just you have to study fatawa you study so many different things so subhanallah that time uh we had heard of an area in Saudi Arabia that was um, in the east. So uh, it's about an hour from Qatar. Mm-hmm. And this city, and um, I think I had moved to here a few weeks, a few months ago. Mm. Um, he, um, I I've, uh, mentioned the city to him and he went to visit it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, he, and he got shocked. Yeah. Shocked at what he saw in this. Shocked. Um, <coughs> and everyone I've told to visit has been shocked. So this city, basically, it's, it's about three and a half hours drive from Riyadh. We heard that people teach all form adhab in the city. So you have like s- certain families who are specialized in Shafi'i fiqh, in Maliki fiqh, in, Han- in Hanafi fiqh, basically specialized in adhab. And they teach other, you know, sciences like language, Arabic, but the old way. That they have like, you know, old madrasas, basically it means like um, the uh, buildings that were built from the Uthmani time. The Uthmani time. And were for students of knowledge and scholars to teach them. They still have them till now. 
So we were really mean. A lot of my friends who had the same uh, same you know view were really keen on visiting and learning the old way. So I remember we got in the car and we said, "Yeah, let's let's just go for a visit." And we had no contact, nothing. Mm. And we driving through the desert, throughout the desert, you know, and uh, until we got there. And the city is really is not developed. You know? It's not like Riyadh. What was the name of it? Al Ahsa. Al Ahsa. So it was not wasn't developed like Riyadh. And we were like, we were starving, we didn't know what to eat. We were looking for a hotel to stay at, nothing. <laughs> we, went, we entered the mas- masajid, and we were like, we asked him, like, like this random guy, like, where, where, where the sheikhs study, like, to teach the, the, the Shafi'i mother about the, what are you talking about? <laughs> 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 so we got, we got a bit depressed, you know, like, yeah. you know, a like well, my dream in life, since I was in, in second, since I was in school, was to travel abroad and study, like in Mauritania in the desert or something, or study under someone who teaches the old way. I don't want to study just uni. I don't want to just be a uni student. And like I said, for me, it was you know, just, just to feel it, just to taste it, even if it was for a few months, just mm. to have the feeling of it. Mm. Um, so Subhanallah, we we, ju- we just I think we we're just getting tired and hungry, so we we're driving uh, back to the street, the main street, and the hotels, and we went past the bookshop. Bookstore, a rushed bookstore, and um, one of my friends was, was crazy about books. He used to buy like, uh, I think his his personal library uh, is probably worth over a hundred thousand riyals of books. And he's he, he's he's my age, so he's not he's not he's not well off. <laughs> but he, yeah, I mean, he's crazy about books. Mm. So he saw the bookstore. He said, "Stop! We have to as a bookstore. I have to buy something. I just gotta get a book." Mm. So we stopped there, and the Sudanese guy who was running the bookstore. Seems like he had a bit of understanding about knowledge. Like he did, like he knew. Like when we ask him about books in fiqh, he understands what they are about. Mm. So he said, "Look, to, to be honest with you, we're looking for you know, like, like Sheikh and especially one one Sheikh that we really wanted to visit. We used to see his name on YouTube and stuff. Sheikh Abdul Hamid Al Mubarak. He was, the, he was the, the Sheikh of the Maliki Madhab then. He was, a, he was he was a senior Sheikh, and he's very mashallah. Like he talks, he's different." So he's like, look, I know someone who might know them. And he calls his friend and his friend comes. And anyway, long story. Um, he said, look, there's a mosque a few blocks away. They have, they're have they on some madhab, I don't know if they're Hanafi or where they are. But the people in that mosque, the imam, the mother, might, might help you. Mm-hmm. So usually, this fam- in, in Ahsa, it's, there's families, old families, who have inherited madhab. And the scholars of the, the madhab are inside those families. So they teach their family and to the people around them. But, um, you know, in the city, like in, in modern life, you can't have everyone in the street uh, understanding fiqh and stuff like that. So it's wrong to go ask people in the street. So I went to pray there. And I remember when I went to pray, uh, the imam starts, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, saying Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, loud, which is what the Shafi'i madhab. And I was like, wow, so wow, this is something different. You know, like they're praying, they're proud of their madhab, they're proud of their opinion. Because they follow a traditional school of thought, and they, you know, they, they're doing it. So people are seeing different, might have different schools of thought, and people are, uh, you know, uh, understanding uh, fiqh just by seeing this. And as I've seen, you know, the Hanafi mosques all make adhan very late. Um, the, the Shafi'i mosques in Fajr all make du'a qunut in Fajr every single day, up in the, in the speakers and everything. Uh, the Maliki mosques, um, you know, iqama. The, the iqama is 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 different. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Shadu Allah, Shadu Rasulullah. Ya Rasul, Qad Qamt Salah. Allahu Akbar. Only once. You can't. They don't say it twice. So it's you know it's Subhanallah. Um, the differences in fiqh 
that are accepted between the scholars, but they're all built on on, on, on strong understanding, is something that it, uh, is very important for people to see. Now, today, most of the fights that people have about issues and fiqh, they don't even understand the differences about. If you were to tell someone off about something, you have to understand all the opinions in that in that one uh, issue for you to be able to uh, to, to give an opinion. Mm. So, um, the imam that mosque sat with him and were like. Tell us what to do, where to go. So he said, look, I'll give you one number. This number might help you. And then someone asked, we're just calling people all night until we managed to get numbers of a few of the mashayikh. And then we went to sleep. And we, 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 ordered, we ordered dinner. And there was fish that night. And subhanAllah, my friend, one of my friends, got fish poisoning from the food that night. And he was in hospital for two and a half months. After that, subhanAllah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, subhanAllah. It was, a, it was a very interesting like uh, trip. Yeah, and subhanAllah. Mm. But alhamdulillah, uh, the next day, Sheikh Abdul Hamid, we got his number, and he said to us, "Come to my house, ten thirty. It was Juma. It was Juma. I remember. So when we were on the same holiday, it was Juma, just after Ramadan, and he said, "Come to my house." So it's like, wow, we just wanted to meet him, mm-hmm. and you know, he, 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 he's very proud of his his lineage, his madhab, the school thought he's under. He's like, you know, Maliki madhab walking on the way. On, on yeah. Earth. Yeah. And he dresses the way his his grandfather used to dress. So he has like the the white watara, but on top of it, he has he, he has like his, this white um cloth that he like, it, very unique way of dressing. No one else dresses like that. Yeah. So he, and he walks with a stick, and he's very much like he's so he opens the door and he's standing there like that. And <laughs> we go to his house, and he's just talking about different experiences and things. And we were shocked. You know? mm-hmm. Then he's like, Allah, after Juma, uh, we'll have lunch together. Mashallah, you know. He's, a lot of he's very very generous, mashallah. You know, and then he and then he says to us, "Look, don't um don't um book a hotel for tonight. The madrasa, the old madrasa that in the when it is the Maliki madrasa we have that was built I don't know how many years ago, hundred years ago, uh, is there. There's beds there, you sleep there. So we got to stay in you know this old place where mm. people like all this place sitting people study and stuff." As well, so that was mm. amazing. And then the next day, we, we managed to visit a few of the Shafi'i scholars and a few of the Hanafi scholars. So, and they gave us a lot of books and stuff. It was it was two day visit, but we left so much yeah. energy. And I, I know that day, I made the attention that I'm going to come back and study. I'm going to come back and study. Mm. And did you? Alhamdulillah. Yeah. How long were you there for? Uh, so, but I'll tell you the story. But just um, there's one more scholar we wanted to visit, and. One of the most scholars, but he was in a different city. So we, we drove to that city. He was like he was so he, it, was, it was a summer holiday, so he was spending some with his sister or something. So we went to visit him there for a few hours, then we went back to Riyadh. So um, after that, I made I went to Umrah and I broke my leg. <laughs> Subhanallah. What are you doing? And um, praying no, 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 I, I fell. But <laughs> anyway, so um, for about two and a half months, I didn't travel at all. And uh, subhanAllah, those two and a half months I was alone at home. I was just thinking about everything else. I was really, like, I, I had my own interests. I was doing sharia and stuff, but I was just thinking about, about life and about things and, and doing my own research and really thinking about what I want to achieve in life and what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really made the decision that I'm going to, I'm going to uh, make this my first priority in life. And this is after sharia? <laughs> no, I, was, I, I still had a two, two more years left. Okay. <coughs> so I said, this is, my priority in life, I want to study, uh, you know, under these ulama and get from their knowledge. 
صحيح بعرف ما كونتاكتينج الشيخ عبد الله العفج وانا يعني وانا ذا ماست ريسبكتفول مشايخ ايف ايف ميت ان ماي لايف اند ذا ماست اكتف مشايخ ذا ميت اند سو هي كيف اس نمبر وين هو فيزيت ذا فيرست تايم سيت هيم لوك وانا استري يو نو انا وانا كم ما ليكس بروكن بت ستيل كنا كم ستيل وانا كم سو هي سيد يلا كم But the first visit shouldn't be studying. You should come and introduce yourself to the mashayikh. The first visit you did wasn't enough. And meet them and talk about studying and then they'll tell you which books to bring next time. You go buy the books and we'll start with you from zero. So you'll come on the weekend, he said, and then you'll have like, you'll be going from sheikh to sheikh. So basically, because I've, I've got studies throughout the weekend, the moment you get to, to Ahsa in the morning, so if you leave, like for example, leave after Fajr, you get there at 9.30 a.m., You'll have a dars, and then after the hor you have a dars. After asr you have a dars. You can have a break till maghrib. Then after maghrib you have a dars. Okay. So you'll be whole schedule. We'll make a schedule for you. Said that so that what someone was studying the whole week, you do in in one or two days. Inshallah. So you're getting double the. So you know, he had contact to all the mashayikh, the big mashayikh and asa. So um, I was like, "Yalla, Bismillah," and um, Subhanallah. Um, Then uh, I had been working in a, in a, in halakatish Quran in Riyadh for a few years, so all the money I had, uh, I bought a car, my first car, um, which didn't last me long, <laughs> and um, uh, خلاص, I started to um, Subhanallah travel back and forth every week, every week, or every two weeks depends, and uh, Alhamdulillah uh, that was for about about two years of um, of going to Asa. so even the summer holiday. I used to go for a few weeks sometimes, over, you know, two weeks, something like uh, full yeah. weeks. And alhamdulillah, I built very strong connections with the mashayikh there, with the scholars, with the people. And just their the style of life is different. The, the, you know, the, the well, subhanAllah, the, the, um, they're just a whole different different world. So they have their own, um, you know, um, foods, their own way of saying things, their own... Um, Perfumes and bakhors, you know, just it's a different, a different yeah. community, and they're so loving, so nice, so passionate, so knowledgeable. Mashallah, yeah. it's amazing. The masajid, some of the masajid, then like one thousand years old, and you're still there, and it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to learn. I spent the first year and a half with only Shafi'i scholars because, like, when I was studying in with a Hanbali Sheikh before that, and he he said to me, like, um, you know, I, I, I was always into changing my madhab and going to. I was really interested in the Shafi'i method because Imam Shafi'i was really um, someone who I was always admired by his, his, his brain and the way he thought. And he's like the fiqh, the Shafi'i fiqh is really in detail. A lot of effort was put into it. So I remember like always wanting to change. And the Shafi'i method is the most dominant method in Ahsa. So I was on, I started to go for one half years, I was just studying Shafi'i method. And then towards the end, I also um, started studying, not fiqh, but Like hadith and other things on the mashayikh, the big mashayikh of other madhahib, so that I could, you know, uh, I didn't leave until I had at least studied with, um, you know, experts that I probably wouldn't meet later on in life. A lot of them had, like, you know, ijazat even in hadith and uh, sanid and things that, you know, I was really keen on getting, so, mm. like, getting permission to narrate books till with the chain to the Rasul Sallam. Yes. Stuff like that, you know, that I really wouldn't be able to get later on in life. Alhamdulillah, you know. I was keen on, on a lot of that. Until now, Alhamdulillah, I have very good connection with the Mashaykh. Some of the Mashaykh are still stayed with till today, you know, continue, Alhamdulillah. But that was really um, the best way, I think, to end 
journey in Saudi Arabia. Once uh, after I graduated, we only stayed for about half a half a year. I couldn't find any job in Saudi Arabia. Things were getting tough. Um, for an expat, my dad was finding it really hard, and uh, you know, I thought well, it's time to also go back home and uh, you know live with the people that I was born with, and uh, maybe one day, inshallah, you know, start something. Start to revive traditional knowledge. It's really what my dream would be, you know, to, mm-hmm. to show people the path of knowledge. I'm not going to have to create scholars alone, mm-hmm. but to show people the path of knowledge. The people, when they start to seek knowledge, the, uh, you know, they, they have an idea of what to do. They want to spend 20 years of their life in knowledge and become scholars, they can do it. But to really, um, you know, uh, give people that the, the chance to understand this, to start something. Um, something I really was really passionate about. So, alhamdulillah, uh, since then we've been back. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's been back now um, two or four years. Yeah, a couple yeah. years, yeah. How's your experience been with, um, like, I think you're you're teaching some of the students, like, hi, like Quran memorization. How's your experience been noticing the differences with, like, people like of young age in Australia compared to in Saudi? Um, Quran, look, subhanAllah, my personal vin- uh, opinion is that Quran memorization, alhamdulillah, is always uh, very strong in the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has promised to preserve the Quran. So uh, when I left Australia, I remember there was only a few Hifaz in Melbourne itself, maybe two or three. And now, mashallah, you know, every single... <coughs> so uh, alhamdulillah, um, the chances to memorize Quran are there for everyone. I don't think there's you need to memorize outside of... Australia, like the question you're asking, yeah. it's pretty easy now. Even like in the southeast, for example, Nurul Huda, you know, Sheikh, what he's the, what he's doing there is amazing. Mm. Uh, a lot of people in uni and stuff and still memorizing Quran, Quran, mashallah. So the chances of memorizing Quran uh, there, alhamdulillah. That's like that's not really the the thing I would focus on because alhamdulillah, I think the community is doing an excellent job memorizing Quran. Um, but um, you know. Knowledge is really my passion, my passion, and that's really what I would like to. Uh, Arabic language knowledge, these things, are something that I really love, and uh, something that I feel are not that strong yet. So, Subhanallah, I notice a lot of the people who study and even study knowledge in Australia, they don't focus on Arabic language much. So, when you when you're able to go through the old books, study and do your own research and listen and travel and you know in Arabic, but fluent Arabic, fluent Arabic, the experience is different. Mm. That's something that I noticed personally. That's why I, I really love for people to try that and to, to, to experience that. And Subhanallah, <coughs> um, whatever translation in English is nothing compared to what you find in Arabic. The experience you get is not the same. Uh, Subhanallah, you know, when you have access to uh, thousands and thousands of books in every field, and you understand also how to read and what to read and when to read what, Subhanallah, you know, you just sit back sometimes. And say, Subhanallah, this religion is not man-made. This religion is so perfect, and this, the, the 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 dedication the scholars have put towards this religion shows that this is really a message of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So you feel like we, without the Arabic language, we can't really get a taste of what? No, you can get a, you get taste to a certain extent. Uh, extent you can get a taste, but what I'm saying is that knowledge is levels. Yeah, everyone, everyone should perfect. The basic level, which is to know how to pray, fast. You should know the conditions of salah, conditions of, of fasting, conditions of hajj. If you go to hajj, if you go to hajj, mm-hmm. uh, when to give zakat, how to give. You should know that, no matter what language, no matter where you're from. 
basic aqeedah basically everything that's important but talking about um, understanding where you are and understanding also so if we were in Australia to have even a few people who are into like you know detailed knowledge but they uh, set standards for everyone so that everyone knows where they stand I think we would be better off mm. so uh, you know um Sadly, a lot of people in society don't know the difference between um, a da'ya and a scholar, or you know, sheikh is used for everyone, I guess. But um, you know, people don't have the ability. To, you know, if, if someone comes and says, "I've got a good degree in Sharia," mm. it's not the same as someone who has you know jazat and things and he's mm. done his own personal studies. So, um, you know, it's a really beautiful field that um, I think Australia, um, inshallah, uh, will be open to soon. Sure. I'm really excited to see the future of that. Um, would you say, like, for example, young people, uh, like all of us, we listen to and we want to memorize the Quran as much as we can and we want to learn Arabic, but unfortunately, sometimes with work and even different parts of our life, we can't do everything. There's different stages. Would you recommend us trying to maybe like do more hifs first, maybe get like 5, 10, 15 jewels, or would you want us to? Do you think Arab, if you want the path mm-hmm. to knowledge, do you think Arabic first and then we can kind of open our doors I think to? Yani so there's general answer. There's general answer that people give to everyone, which is learn the Quran and then study. That's a general answer. But personally, um, I'm talking about personal experience of people I've seen in my life. It's n- this, this answer is not suitable for everyone out there, like you said. Um, some people find memorizing extremely, extremely hard, extremely hard. And if we told them that you're not allowed to study anything until you memorize the Quran, you will never study anything. Mm-hmm. But they're really good in understanding. They have really sharp understanding. Someone like this shouldn't stop completely until he memorizes Quran. What you should do is memorize Quran, but um, spend a little bit of time every day studying and understanding, so that you know we remove the basic uh, ignorance um, away from ourselves. Uh, Subhanallah, um, you know, not all the Sahaba memorized the Quran. Most of the Sahaba did not memorize the Quran. Most of the Sahaba. Some scholars, some masters of field in Islam didn't memorize the Quran, even though it's so important. Mm. The general case is that all scholars of Islam memorize the Quran and have the ten qiraat even and have ijazat. That, that's what I'm saying. It's it's it, it, that's the correct way. But what I'm saying it doesn't mean it's doesn't mean that if you don't, there's no chance for you. It's mm. not true. Some scholars are not into memorizing. Imam Al Jalal Al Mahalli, it's one of the greatest Shafi'i scholars in history, and he wrote half of a Tafsir Jalali, which is one of the the, the most intense tafsir written. It's short, but it's very intense. Uh, the meanings, like uh, in the explanations of this tafsir, are very long. And he he wrote like um, books in usul fiqh that are studied in uh, in a, uh, uh, in PhDs and stuff in uh, university in Azhar and other universities. Today, he couldn't memorize anything. And apparently, he said he said once that he tried to memorize half a page of some book or something, and his body, you know, he swallowed. He came to like a balloon, and it was water everywhere in his body, and he couldn't sleep and couldn't do anything. Subhanallah, so memorization didn't work for him. I don't know, but he does so not accept memorization. So he has an intense book on tafsir, and, and not just, no, he's he's one of the, the masters in all different fields. He's, he has books in tafsir also. He's one he's one of the older scholars whose books are taught in every single institute around the world till today. Jalal Mahalli. Anyone who's into knowledge. To know his name, Jalal Mahalli, Jaladin Mahalli. He could not memorize anything. 
but his understanding was so intense. He never made a mistake in his books ever in one word. He's, he, he understood things so uh, deep that he never made a mistake. But he wasn't good at memorizing Subhanallah. So mm. memorizing is not a, even in, in Subhanallah. I heard in um, one of the latest uh, masters of Shafi Madhab in Iraq, uh, Sheikh Abdul Kalim Madaris, which is he was Mufti of Iraq. Um, uh, um, or, or, or Kurdistan, he um, apparently before he died, before he passed away, he was um, he was asked what what do you wish to do in your life? He said I wish to finish memorizing the Quran. He hadn't memorized the whole Quran, but he was uh, one of the greatest scholars of his time. So some people just can't memorize, mm. Subhanallah. But the understanding is perfect. So the general case is yes, you should memorize and then study. But if you find that you're busy in life, okay. Your age doesn't help. Memorize is hard for you. Start studying. Continue memorizing, but start studying. No problem. Mm. Start to understand, especially the basics. Yeah, the basics. So basics of fiqh. You know, you know what to do, what not to do. It's important for every Muslim to study that. There should be courses and things for 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 general Muslims to understand. Everyone should study. Mm. Yeah, I know in Ahsa, what I saw, the most beautiful thing I saw, the most beautiful thing I saw, is that the um once I was in a dars with. Um, one of my mashayikh and I had to go home to to the place where I was sleeping and he said I'm going to get my son to take you home and his son was like, playing on PlayStation inside and he like you know he's Jaiva and he looked at he said this guy probably has like his pan line his, 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 his father's a scholar but this guy doesn't know anything and when I <coughs> um, of course uh, according to Shafi Mathab Shaving is not haram So he's not doing a sin But he doesn't look like He's someone of personal knowledge That's what I'm saying yeah. His father's a big scholar And um, I was just talking him On the way back And he'd studied like you know, Four or five different books And fiqh himself He wasn't a scholar But um, Subhanallah they, Everyone there studies The first and First and second level of knowledge And then they stop Then the ones who want to specialize They keep on going And going into learning knowledge But everyone knows how to pray How to fast How to give zakat How to do all these that doesn't make you a scholar, mm. but you know your religion well. Mm. That's, the, that's the important thing. So everyone should study, study, and you know, uh, don't be uh, ignorant in your religion. Don't be jahil in your religion. Study all sciences, but um, for yourself. Doesn't mean the moment you study a bit of fiqh, you have to go and give fatwa and give classes and tell everyone I'm this. <laughs> and I studied and I took a course mm. in fiqh. I know, like one of the schools I, I worked at once, the head of the science department. He was the head of the Islamic department because he took some, uh, I think it was like a, a two-month online course in, in, in Islamic studies, two-month one-month course in English. So he became the head of the Islamic department. Just because you have some knowledge doesn't mean mm. that's it. You know, you have mm. to yeah. uh, publicize this and make it that you, you know, the okay. yes, doesn't, doesn't mean that. But everyone should study. Everyone said in Saudi Arabia, I've seen, uh, you know, I haven't seen, but I've heard of street sweepers from Bangladesh, who um, someone. One, I think one people in uni with me. He went to fill his um, car with petrol. So the street, street sweepers usually uh, they work around petrol stations in those areas. Mm. And the guy cleaning the street saw the book. Um, uh, so he saw a book on the, on on the, um, the point on, the, uh, on his in his car, and it was Al Fiat of Malik, which is one of the uh, one of the books that you study in grammar. So you study at like a very late level of grammar. It's it's very it's intense. It was it's level four for us. Level after being a day. Uh, okay. 
So he saw it, Al-Fitr Malik, and it's, it's poetry, it's thousand lines of poetry. And the, the street from started to recite the, all the lines of poetry, memorize the whole thing. Mm. He was from India, you know, um, I think from Kerala, from you know, South India. So, subhanAllah, um, you know, some people don't make it till, to being scholars, but they, they still have a lot of knowledge, basic knowledge. Mm. Not to teach people, not to become wealthy, but so that they understand, mm. um, you know, Islam itself. Everyone should understand the deen. And then if Allah opens the door for you to, to you know, to really specialize, to really specialize, khalas, do it. Mm. Not everyone should specialize in Islam. Not everyone should be mufti. Not everyone should be scholars wrong. We need people in all different fields. We don't need everyone to be a scholar. But we need some scholars, and then we need the general mass of population to have a, not a bad understanding of Islam, to have basic understanding. That's how, that's how you know, things mm. should be in an mm. ideal society. Yeah. And I think it touches on your point even when you said Quran memorization, like you might not have the time, like you said, so you put some time towards that and sometimes well, ilm. It's probably the same even with Arabic. Because Arabic is a journey where you said it might take two, three years, even four different years. different for everyone, yeah. So that time where people would spend all their time doing Arabic, mm-hmm. maybe it's better if just to learn the basics, even if it's in English. And it might, n- might not work out. You know, like some, some people have spent four or five years. If it doesn't work out in Arabic, at least you haven't neglected everything else in your life. So mm. don't, don't stop life. Just but, yeah. but do. Start today. Yeah. Don't stop. You know, just yeah. Yeah. And it's a never-ending journey. Yes. It's not three years I do a course at my local mosque and then I'm I'm done forever. Every, uh, and you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, فَوْقَ كُلِّ ذِي عَلِمْنَا You know, every, anyone who's knowledgeable, there's someone who's more knowledgeable than them. Knowledge is like that. Every level you go, there's something. There's more, there's more, there's more, mm. there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. There's no end. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything. Everyone else knows everything. Mm. So, subhanAllah. The same concept as Quran. We find in every every different science of Islam, yeah. there's always more to do, more to explore. Yeah. I reckon that's that's a beautiful way to finish. Yeah. To be honest with you, Sheikh, we're gonna have you on again, 150 percent, inshallah. And inshallah, we'll, we'll definitely we'll come through. Inshallah, it's beautiful. Thank you very much for sharing your story. I think oh, there's a lot of takeaways. We kind of had our own takeaways in between each kind of like each one of your journeys. Subhanallah, like whether your journey of the with the hadith and your journey with the Quran and um, yeah Jazakallah khairan for coming on and um, we'd like to tell everyone please like and subscribe the video inshallah and if you have any other questions for the Sheikh let us know and then we can possibly have a part two inshallah in the inshallah. near future and if anyone even is in- interested in like um, talking about knowledge or something um, personally or privately uh, it's, it's, a, it's a field that I'm really where can people find you so they can maybe ask you these questions personally maybe they can contact you and even like you can give them my details anything okay um, inshallah yeah these these fields are, are really what shows the strength of islam and you know we are the, the, the ummah of iqra ummah of knowledge without knowledge we're nothing subhanallah you know we're about learning and about understanding mm.